0: everybody, Welcome back to Tom Girl, where we talk all things sports, entertainment, fashion, and adventure. And tonight, we got a great one for ya. We have best selling author, TV host, and CEO of Passion to Paycheck, Erica De La Cruz. Stay tuned.
1: You're tuned in to After Buzz TV, the ESPN of TV Talk. Now, let the buzz. Begin. You got it. All right. Girl, yeah. It.
0: Welcome. You made it. Welcome thank you so much. much. I know.
1: I braved <laughs> the traffic in the finest city of the world and I'm and I've arrived. How are you? I know. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank uh, you for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming. Yeah. I know. LA always gets
0: us all sometimes. Oh, great. So thank oh. you guys for being with us. We we have so many great things to tell you about with this episode. So Yay. so we'll just get right to it. Yeah, sounds amazing. I want to first I think start out with kind of your journey before and then lead up to where everything wonderful that you're doing now cuz I watched your Sue talk today which for those of you who don't know Sue talks. No. They're like Ted talks. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. Oh, you did.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I want to talk about, yeah, your
1: journey and kind of the adversity you got through to yeah. move on. No, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that the minute that I hear, um, someone has seen my Sue talk or experienced my chapter in the book. I know they have a vast knowledge of information. <laughs> like they have a good like a little chunk of info about my life, which is cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit, untraditional and um I mean I guess I'll start with I'm, I'm I do a lot of things now and um you know there's praise and sometimes there's like you got so lucky and it's funny to hear and I know that it's the peeve of a lot of overachievers is that that phrase or like yeah. oh my God you're so lucky to be doing that which you are lucky but there's a lot that kind of um I guess precedes doing all of it, so a lot uh, of hard
0: work and a lot of effort, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. and a
1: lot of you know it's weird because idea generation is sometimes downplayed, but sometimes it generate the ideas that evolve. You have to go through things um, that lead to that evolution, and so I think that's what my Sue Talk is mainly based on. And for those you know out there wondering what that is, um, the Sue Talk was a real sort of recap of what my family went through in the um, recession mm-hmm. of of two thousand nine that we don't really talk about too much. I mean, we we learned about the Great Depression. Sometimes we mention there was an economy crash around 2008, 2009. But I don't know if we've really dug into the repercussions in terms of what happened. Um, what is that movie, The Big, the Big Short? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was about to say The Big Sick. So, God bless Brad Pitt and Christian Bale. I freaking love them to death. But the film was all about what happened with the stock market, who got rich from it, and I think maybe there were five minutes where it was ironically in the film. They go to Northern California and they see this home being foreclosed in the movie because of the recession that was about to hit. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember having to almost leave the theater because of how short it was. And just and I'm like, oh, where's the movie on <laughs> on just that? Because essentially that's what happened. To my family in the crash, Mm -hmm. which um, was we lost our business of 30 years and our home was foreclosed in a really weird, almost unwritable way where we had 11 hours to sort of pack up everything I've ever owned. And I lived in the same house for so many years that it was my lifespan. And then my mother, um, my mom just, you know, as we have parents who are also out in the world doing things, they're proud of those things. While she was proud of her children, she was super proud of that house. Mm -hmm. So I think she was in denial that it would ever be foreclosed and like she got, I remember she got the mayor of our town involved, but it was my first year in college. I didn't know a lot about what was going on and so when I returned, I I sort of was told, you know, your parents don't have a business anymore. It seemed like it was overnight. You don't have a house anymore. We're going to give you some hours to to pack up your house tomorrow bye so i'm like what and you know staying with family friends thank god because i couldn't get into my house was helpful but um it was a weird weird experience packing up that day and kind of knowing life wouldn't be the same and the other thing that happens in recessions is that your family well not your family i should say humans because we're all Mm human human beings is you go through emotions and drastic changes lead to drastic emotional changes as well. And, uh, my father who, whose sole like purpose it seemed in life was to run that business. You know, when that crashes, he, he developed just hardcore depression. And so the, I mean, to put it into perspective, when I left for college a year earlier, parents were together in a Beamer dropping me off. Um, We were pretty well off substantially, specifically because we were from a really small town. And, um, you know, a year later, my parents really weren't even in communication because you underestimate the power of a cell phone. And when you don't have a cell phone and when you can't pay that bill, all of a sudden, it's like, where do you send the carrier pigeon? There's not even an address. (laughs) And so it it went a really weird direction that summer and my life kind of went flip. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it was an interesting time uh for sure i mean my whole life changed and i guess in that moment i was tested as a 19 year old you know a lot of people have to wait until like till they're well into their 40s to figure out the sort of crises of pile up and i think that i'm super thankful that the universe dealt me that hand and even to my family at the time who went through what they had to go through because all of a sudden it prevented or pardon provided me with this um forced environment of like a pressure cooker Mm -hmm. and I got to see what kind of popcorn I'd pop, you know, (laughs) Uh that's what happened. Um, It was weird. (laughs) And and how
0: did that push you to then then pursue like the entertainment after that? Yeah. Your
1: career. Yes. It was a, a thousand percent. It was weird before then. I always knew that I wanted to get into entertainment and I like had an inkling for it, but I, but the drive or necessity to do it, it was nowhere. It was, um, you know, pressure creates diamonds type thing. I think after that happened, I realized I don't have anything left to lose. Like, mm-hmm. it's weird because some people, fight or flight, it'd be like, oh, I don't have anything left to live for. And I think what I realized, pardon me, <clears throat> was that I didn't have anything left to lose. So the risk tolerance went up and I was able to sort of take these higher caliber risks going back to college and... um and, you know, I, I stated in my book, probably not as openly in the Sue talk, but sh- um, my family continued on their paths. So my mother became, um, you know, homeless voluntarily mm-hmm. in, inside of that community where she still is now, which I'm fin- finally, I mean, a person has to take it takes a while to be comfortable talking about those things. But then my dad bounced back mm-hmm. eventually. So I'm glad that when I went back to college, these risks were there to take. So I just sort of started applying for scholarships, getting into as many serving positions as possible, like serving tables. I I don't know, four four or five jobs later, um and a few grants and scholarships later, I was able to just fund myself, realize that the state was paying for my housing and I could take as many free internships as I wanted, mm-hmm. which ironically, those are a lot of the opportunities in the industry that get you to where you want to go. So yeah. So it it was it was so nuts. And it all culminated into me graduating and becoming the first ever uh youngest essentially the youngest female marketing director at Entercom broadcasting. So I was corporate for a while, but I don't think that opportunity would have come without my this weird like work ethic I developed. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything. I mean, I had no money. I had nothing. I had nothing. The other um we never got our stuff back. So when I So when we packed up our home, a few months later, they didn't know who to get a hold of to pay the storage units. And eventually, we have fun watching things like Storage Wars, but people don't realize, like, there's families whose items you're, like, bidding on. And so, essentially, that's what happened to my family. mm -hmm. And um, all of my items were basically gone. A family friend uh, went back and was secretly—this is so crazy. You can't write this stuff, but— Secretly buying the items back and eventually told me. Um, and so I did see some of those things, but I literally went back to school with what I had in my car. To this day, that's mm-hmm. what I still have, apart from some of the things she was able to buy back. And so. And one of those things was your grandma's urn, urn. which your grandma was really close to you. And she, I thought that was such a sweet. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Yeah. yeah thank you. I actually forget yeah. what's in that talk. Versus the chapter in the book. And yes, so, yeah. And it's something I don't want. It's a little morbid, so I don't bring it up sometimes publicly unless unless the situation is there. But yes, it's one of the items that was sold. And I think it's such an important, it's so important for people to understand what this recession actually caused, which was Mm -hmm. a lot of, like, a lot of crazy loss and transition abruptly for so many families out there. Like, they took so much. This isn't an exaggeration. People are like, oh, she probably got to pick what she wanted to keep, and then what she didn't want was sold to the state and then repurposed at swap meets and flea markets. But no, I saw the stuff and then would never see it again, with the exception of Facebook messages throughout college of people randomly going to flea markets and they'd see my picture in a frame wow. or something, mm-hmm. and it would be like, is this, what's going, <laughs> does your family run this lot? What's going on? I don't understand. Yeah. And, you know, or um, I'll never forget, I got a message that was like, hey, these these carvings on your, uh, on this kitchen table, I swear to God, they're ours from growing up. I think this is your table, and it's like at a flea market somewhere in the damn state of California. Yeah. So there was a little bit of that. And uh, with that, the the person going back to buy all of my things, who was my nanny from growing up, she's like, my world. Uh, the book later would be dedicated to her and is. Mm-hmm. She eventually, like you just mentioned, found uh, a marble jar for $3 at uh, a flea market. And, you know, asked asked what they wanted for it, and they said, "Oh, how much is the marble jar?" And they said three ninety nine, and she knew exactly what it was, and it wasn't a marble jar. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're ever out there wondering, did I sell that? It was my grandmother's urn, so it was her remains, and I'll never forget that. Essentially, that was the transition to her saying, "Oh, I need to tell Erica." that I'm buying all this stuff back because for a while she had said that she was keeping it from our old house because I would go visit her. She created this room for me near my hometown so I could go back like the other kids for summers. And then she was like, how do I explain? I don't know how I'm going to explain this one to her. And then, and it was so surreal. Oh my gosh. I still, wow. It takes me back to that, to that minute. And yeah, I remember her telling me, you know, I have something for you. She was, it was on my birthday. And I was so thankful. I don't know. It was just like, it was shock, but I really got to know what I was made of because every time I went into shock, I went into gratitude from the people who were there Mm -hmm. instead of depression for who wasn't. And obviously, um, you know, eventually it was like an aunt would call me and be like, hey, sweetie, just getting wind of what's happening. This isn't like a birth announcement or like, you know, an invitation to a party. I didn't call everyone. And yeah. my so my family... Announce it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it it is weird to dissect how that happens. But, you know, an aunt who really cared about me, it's like, hey, sweetie, I think on college campuses they have access to therapy. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, you know, whether you feel like this now or later, you should probably go. And it was just like, whoa, I feel so supported. So it was like, at having nothing, I realized I had everything that I that I'd ever need. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden that was the drive. I'm like, there are so many people out supporting me. I want to show them that like I'm on board. I wasn't into fighting the help. I was into like, I don't know. I'm like lovey by name. I just loved them so much and was so blown away by them showing up that I'm like, all right. So I want to get these scholarships to show them I'm really mm-hmm. in it and I'm working and I'm going to like make them proud. Like they're believing in me. And to this day, it's weird. But my motivation and drive for little things, like um, I'm on I'm on the junior board of a film festival right now, and someone's like, "You know, is that why in your spare time would you want to just be on the board?" And I'm like, honestly, there's a gala kicking off the festival each year, and I'd love to be able to bring my family, I call them my family, and the people who have supported mm-hmm. me to meet their favorite celebrities on occasion once a year, and that's the kind of access that's there. So. It's funny how much drive that actually gave me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I would have had it
0: otherwise. Yeah, yeah. And and then how did that that turn then into your like entertainment reporting?
1: And what were kind of the steps of your career? Right. So the steps where I got this crazy, unheard of position um, as the marketing director. So if you're in corporate, a director is like a position that's usually waited on. And I was 23, got this marketing director job staff of 11 and a corner office and everyone's like, you're not leaving. But I knew no, like I, I, life is short. You could lose everything tomorrow. I knew I was leaving at a point. And so I stayed for about a year, a year and a half. But at the year point, I knew that I was sort of transitioning out. And, um, what ended up happening is I, I was hosting a lot. I mean, I was Entertainment reporting for a late night show. Uh, The full-time job was in broadcasting. So I was already sort of in the industry Mm -hmm. and um, started hosting Fashion Week. And then what happened was, oh, my God, this is so crazy. (laughs) Yeah, what happened was I I left my full-time job. I was coming to Los Angeles. I worked with a few networks out here already. And I was scouted by Connected Women of Influence. They said, you know, we have these Sue Talks you would be the first sort of millennial to give one, um, but we'd like to aim toward a younger demographic. And I showed up on day one, because they they put you through rehearsals so that it's a polished speech. And I gave this talk on business, because I was used to people wanting to hear that I was the marketing director, and, you know, a young female. And they said, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't what these talks are about. Mm -hmm. And I almost left the room, because they said, we want to know about Maybe the most vulnerable thing that's ever happened to you. And I'm like, why? So that's when I finally started speaking more publicly about what I had been through. And from the Sue Talk, this is the crazy part. From the Sue Talk, um, my now business partner uh, watched it or maybe was in the audience that day. There's was I, something. And he happened to have co-published the Chicken Soup for the Entrepreneur Soul mm. books with jack canfield and it was it was like the universe he said i watched your sue talk i know what you know you've been through i see your social platform so i know that you know you're into mainstream culture and the girl boss movement and i want to put out something similar to the chicken soup series for young female Mm. entrepreneurs thus came passionistas uh which was the book that i put out um did extremely well on Amazon in 19 different categories, so it became a bestseller, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I was, like, the one heading it up and on the cover, and I'm like, huh So... It was really surreal. It was nuts. Tell people who maybe have
0: not seen, read the book yet, and yeah. you all need to get it on Amazon, yes. about how you, because there's so many women in there with so many great stories. Yeah. So how did you go about finding all those women and getting them to
1: be yeah, vulnerable and share? T- totally. So essentially what we wanted to do was, he had heard me share so vulnerably, that, I, and then I became passionate about it. Huffington Post after that did a whole feature on my story and everything else. And I realized, like, whoa, vulnerable conversation is the access to everything I'm ever gonna want. All the connection, the real impact. I started realizing that was the key. And it wasn't all about what was on my social media platforms. Even though I, a part of me enjoyed that, the juice was in my vulnerable sharing. So mm-hmm. we decided, you know, with the publishers and the editors that they wanted to recruit, you know, 30 of the top producing, female millennial entrepreneurs, personal brands. Um, it, it didn't matter what they were running. So, like, some YouTube channels, products, uh, personal brands. We have the CEO of We Rule at the time, um, founder of The Find Guru. Like, so many incredible women. Mm-hmm. But the prerequisites were each wrote a chapter. So, it's a compilation book. If you are familiar with the chip- chicken soup books, each chapter is a new story and the prereqs were you cannot share anything that's readily available on your Instagram feeds. Hmm. We wanna know what the real talk is. Like, we wanna know what's actually happened, you know, whether that's a failure, a loss, something that you've been through. And so the book, it's called Passionistas Tips, Tales, and Tweetables from Women Pursuing Their Dreams. Um, in fact, I should have a copy. My publicist is gonna kill me. <laughs> oh my gosh, we've got a switch because I literally have one. Um, for you, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's um. So yeah. Anyway, so, so like, it's in here. Or no, are you just, oh, no, no, I know it's literally at home. Oh, and you I forgot have the my t-shirt. shirt. See, this, this is the craziest thing. Exactly. We'll so change. we have we've got exchange. <laughs> I'm sending it to you. everybody.
0: You can get her book on Amazon. You can also right away read it on Kindle because I was on the airport coming oh, back to the, or your plane this weekend, and
1: that was just easy to Yay. instantly download
0: <laughs> it and start reading it. So. There, there we go. go. <laughs> Amazon, yes.
1: Kindle, uh, Barnes and Noble. It's on everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, so yeah. So that was the. The real pivot. Now, what was your work involved in that? Did you go like research and find who you
0: wanted to include? Did he help so, you out with that? How was...
1: Yeah, so I think that he understood that I was immersed in this world of um, like you can't explain it, but when you're in the industry and you're on Instagram and you maybe doing some celebrity type stuff, you know a few people already in your network who are up to big things. So I sort of started there and then I realized that there was so much interest, we actually opened up applications. And mm-hmm. instead of, you know, approaching people one-on-one or a Facebook right. post, I was able to say, you know, if you're truly interested in this, because often if someone takes the time to fill out that application, the commitment level is huge. Mm-hmm. And that, that shown through in writing the chapters, in marketing the book. Essentially, we had 30 other powerful females marketing the book and getting the word out. So of course it was hitting up the ranks. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it was a large, large amount through application online. A lot of people I knew I did like, um, you know, shout the awareness on my social platforms, but then my business partner also decided to sort of post it a little bit more publicly. And then we realized the link was being shared beyond our world because I met so many women through the applications alone. And, Um, yeah, we sort of sat down. I had a lot of personal calls with them, so that was really important to me. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to them personally. I wanted to know what they were about, what they saw for their future, and um, yeah, they were sort of selected that way. It's crazy what it's it's done. One of the uh, co-authors, she runs The L.A. Girl. Um, It's The L.A. Girl Mm -hmm. everywhere. Like, Google it. She's right there. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. Her partnerships are blowing me away. She has like Target and American Airlines, she's the face of all of it, and um, we just did my little bachelorette party last weekend. Congratulations. And thank you. <laughs> and it's funny, because there she was sitting there, and I started thinking, I had, I would have never met you if it weren't for yeah. my book, and it just served so many purposes, and all of a sudden, it became almost like a stronger business card to, to bigger opportunities mm. that I was looking at that I never
0: expected. Yeah, one thing I loved about the book which being kind of in the, in the, in the realm of you guys with the girl boss and the oh, you know, you're, girl power oh my stuff, God. Tom girl but, I told you the branding <laughs> is like
1: you're a passionista But yeah but I'm like eating that because I'm like I'm
0: ready to take things to the next level Anyway, it was fun for me because opening that book like I, there yeah. was a lot of people like the LA girl and other people that I do follow totally. on Instagram but I had never heard their stories They're amazing. so it was just so motivating too to be like yeah. to
1: read about those people who have had their adversity as well it's and then when they push through yes yeah, so it's such a motivating part. Yeah, Thank book. you for saying that. Mm-hmm. One of the things I think if you're getting into any industry like you are going to grow together. It's so incredible. I see these my peers from a few years ago now. Oh my God, they're, the expansion is huge. So the book is just another indicator. I, I'm watching these co authors. Um, you know, at the time, I think one of them was at the rap Hollywood and she's now at deadline. And <laughs> is like coaching the people at Rolling Stone. And I'm like, Whoa, people are just expanding. And when you do it together, you get the juice, you get the yeah. juju spilled on you. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, OK, like shared energy almost. So I just oh, my God, it's appreciated 10 times over. So, yeah, the collaboration was was huge. I love mm-hmm. I was excited. <laughs> yeah. Now, you've now transitioned this into yeah. passion
0: to paycheck. Yeah. So talk to us about that. So, OK, <laughs> so
1: here's the scoop. So the book came out. And simultaneously, I was also on, I was, I think, with the CW, A-List Communication and a few different networks at the time, um, doing the TV portion of my world. I love it. I need it. I breathe it. The talk show. Meaning you're hosting and doing your show. Like, Mm -hmm. doing my show, being in entertainment, um, it's just such a passion that that was being developed on the side of the book stuff where I was speaking so often and Mind you they did overlap. Hollywood loves that I have a book. the entrepreneurial world loves that I talk to celebrities. It's like mm. it feeds the other yeah and at the same token um, from Passion East as a large audience grew that wanted to know what else they could be involved in so um, my business coach at the time and I we developed like a boss babe blueprint um pardon that culminated in a boss babe boot camp, so I was teaching media and mindset. Um, Brainstorm facilitation, which I was completely certified in after my marketing, um, my corporate job. Mm -hmm. So I turned that into an entire program. I was coaching one-on-one, generating a lot of revenue. And it's weird because I was less happy than I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. And realized that the one-on-one coaching thing was never going to be me. I think I'm such a one-to-many. That's how I get energy. And I realized it was being drained from the smaller... Coaching, personal development, mixed with like does, and they were attracted to me because of my entertainment world. But what I did realize was at the end of each program, we did a live event for about 12 girls, like high-end program who I was coaching, loved the live event part. Mm -hmm. So then I pivoted and I said, what if I could do a live event that took place inside of both of my worlds? So Passion and Paycheck was born, (laughs) and essentially it was personal brands, personal development, and TV personalities. And each year, the keynote speaker is a TV well-known personality. We had Liz uh, Hernandez with Access Hollywood the first year, Kelty Knight um, from the Lady Gang on Mm -hmm. E! and Entertainment Tonight the second year. Um, We are going into our third year now, and it's really a conference based in—it's less informational, more transformational— And that vulnerable conversation we're getting the people that you see on your Instagram feeds, that you see on TV to open up about the things not on their Instagram feeds exactly like the book was Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just sort of all the worlds blending together so it's exciting, this year Bumble has jumped on as our presenting sponsor Uh and I'm just like, what? So (laughs) (laughs) It's so crazy it's like surreal in a way Um, and yeah, and I get to finally have that overlap of consistency where i have my community and tv and then i also want to give back and give transper- uh pardon transformation and entrepreneurial advice to young women it's all this mm-hmm. kind of clash it's- of the titans beautiful thing that's happened so yeah what and uh, people can get tickets to that or yes, t- 100%. So, passion to Um, If you go visit, we were picked up by Focus TV Network last year. So, we do have a year round talk show that is Passion to Paycheck. The annual show, um, pardon, the annual event is this spring. So, April 27th, you can get tickets to passion com. paycheck.com. Um, get them now. So, the speaker lineup is about to be released, <laughs> and the price with that will 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 go. increase. So So go now. Yeah, go now. <laughs> com. Grab your tickets, come and join us in the gorgeous gorgeous space of the Ondas um is the venue, heart of West Hollywood. Tons of passionistas, um, bomb gift bag. I'm like excited for my own little swag (laughs) bag. So, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) What are some? What's some of the details that go
0: into putting creating a live event like this? Oh my god! If you, yeah. Oh man,
1: (laughs) is this is this liquor? (laughs) (laughs) Just Just kidding. Honestly, it's weird. It's funny because, like, I. One of my goals is is just to be so real about my career trajectory so that people don't think that just to stay in integrity with everything my brand has been, planning an event comes with so many moving parts. And I am more a visionary, less an integrator. So luckily, I work with a team of amazing people. There's a team of four who are such a support network inside of, you know, everyone has their little um, category or department, if you will. But planning an event... Is nothing that I ever thought I would sign up for. And yet the payoff of a beautiful, beautiful day in the company that is that is experienced, at all the cost is worth the reward in the end. Mm-hmm. And it comes with a lot of rejection and a lot of no's. Specifically like year three, there's different set of issues. But year one, people are like, who are you? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Nobody cares. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, I mean, it's trying. It's trying right. on the psyche and the body. And and it's interesting because the team component for Passion to Paycheck is so huge. Because, you know, you have five people who believe in it wholeheartedly. You know, it's just it's weird. They've made it their world. Um, now they're on board for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And that kind of keeps you going. But then... You have these gems. So just because one person doesn't see you does not mean that the plethora of others won't. And the biggest, the biggest point of that is I figured maybe five to ten years in, I could get someone who I had been watching since my radio days. Um, if you're not familiar with who Liz Hernandez is, mm-hmm. she was on Access Hollywood for, I don't know, ten years forever. Started in radio. Now she launched her personal brand at our first event called Wordiful left Access Hollywood, God bless her, um, love Access, and I know she did too, but she literally, after Passion to Paycheck, decided to dive headfirst into her passion to create her paycheck, Mm -hmm. and now it's a segment on the OWN Network, and she just uh, partnered with Smart Water, so she's now the face of that, and she believed, she saw immediately, immediately, she goes, oh my God, what a great opportunity, you know, how can I access your audience, and how can I share, and how can I give back, and it's, Oh man, it was such a light at the time, Liz. If you're out, there, I love you. <laughs> it was so beautiful. What well, so. that's a great
0: note. What are how would you tell people out there watching you right now yeah, yeah. how to turn their
1: passion into their paycheck? Well, one of the biggest things that I and my this is my field of of experience, knowledge and and expertise is if you are trying to turn your passion into a paycheck like immerse yourself inside of what entrepreneurship is. Um Like It's funny because I think that Passion and Paycheck, we have such a community of artists who also don't live and die by the auditions, if that makes sense. They have created a platform to have their own thing going on and to sustain that. And as you create that platform, get around like-minded individuals. Go and don't be afraid to invest in yourself. I say that in integrity with me not being afraid to invest in myself early on when I got that business coach. I was so nervous. I was like, what's going on? But I knew I had to believe in myself to follow through this program that I wanted to enroll in. And I didn't think twice. And I'm not saying go take out a credit card. That was my path. Mm-hmm. But I literally, this is crazy, a little personal, but it was a large amount. And I was like, okay, what has to work for this to work? And what had to work was my belief in myself mm-hmm. and my commitment to crying in my closet every 10 sales calls, knowing that the 11th would be a yes. And I made that commitment and I paid the credit card amount off in in, three, in the first three months wow. of already having right. paid him off. And it was, it's weird because I think the universe aligns with you when you agree to be aligned with your own commitments. and. Mm-hmm. It's like you're a fake almost. If if you want to do something, you know it's for you. And you think that any financial component is holding you back. You actually, the, there's a gap in the belief system, I, th- I think. Mm-hmm. And there's something that's out of integrity with that. Because you're not putting all your chips in the basket, if you will. Um, the other thing is relating to yourself as a commodity. Sometimes we start personal brands and we think we have passions. But to generate that paycheck, you have to start treating... Every facet of what you do online, what you're presenting to the world, your partnerships as something that is monetizable inside of pitching yourself and, you know, gaining those partnerships and leveraging your social media. One of the things that no one can hardly believe when I speak is these partnerships I had early, early on. And I'm talking, you know, in the influencer world, I met 1300 followers pitching myself for Fashion Week to Kia because I host Fashion Week Here in Southern California, all of the other partnerships that I had could benefit them. And it was my belief in myself that corresponded to that number, not Mm. the number of followers that corresponded to the number that that I pitched the contract for. And I got it. And it's like this belief in yourself is more than a cliche. It's an undertone that the universe can sense. And Mm -hmm. the opportunities you're getting, look around. And depending on what they are, you can sort of gauge your commitment level to yourself, like through the ebbs. Because the flows are there, the ebbs, you gotta be like, I still know who I am, mm-hmm, you
0: mm-hmm. know? So you just said you pitched yourself, which I wanna talk about that too. Yeah. So, what are some of the business steps you took that did sep- sep- se- sorry, separate you from the rest, like by taking those chances, like pitching
1: yourself? Oh, yeah. Or what
0: are some other things oh, ab- that you
1: did? Oh, absolutely. I mean, pitching myself was a huge component because so many people wait till they hit that like mm-hmm. 10, 10K number on their social platforms, and I was like, I don't need that. I leveraged my partnerships really hard um, that benefited all parties. I was involved with Fashion Week at the time, another late-night show, um, and also St. Jude. So St. Jude was a charitable organization I met in my broadcasting sphere uh, for country radio, but I was still Mm. doing every single one of their galas on the red carpet. So essentially... I knew that I had those three big partnerships. And even though I might not be able to sustain the type of reach that, you know, a client or company would want to see on my own, I leveraged my community by saying, these are the three people I partnership, I partner with, this is how they could leverage their social platforms. And if I have fashion week tweeting out a photo of what I'm going to wear for this Mm. event, St. Jude already, already posting whatever footage we're you know, putting on for the event. And I cover entertainment, which I could so easily weave in your brand to, then all of a sudden you have ad space, a social media spend and, you know, a partnership with all these brands. So I would go to them and say, you know, do you want to fund this uh, video? Do you want to fund this segment on behalf of this organization in partnership with all of the rest? And all of a sudden, I didn't have to start small. Um, mm-hmm. inside of that. So leveraging the community, I feel like that was a big, that was a huge step in realization in the game was who do you know that you can collaborate with to pitch the grand scale? And you don't have, you don't have to wait for that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, okay it with your partners or whoever it, whoever else you know, but make sure it benefits all parties. And then the other component was this, I have always, if I was going to ask people to coach with me, I wanted to be an integrity coaching with someone else. And the reason I can ask people, the reason I could ask people to enroll in my high end program, which was not cheap. And the reason I could have, you know, 12 clients at a time was because I had already paid for that type of program. I'm in complete integrity with what I'm asking you to do because I've done it myself. Mm -hmm. So making sure that I'm always, even with passion to paycheck, there's always a transformational aspect It's not just going to listen to successful people on a panel. There's vulnerable conversation. You're meeting these people on television. But there is a component that is so interactive and allows you to open up and evolve. I need to make sure that I am evolving as well. So keeping yourself, while turning that passion to a paycheck, enrolled in programs with coaches, with mentors, whatever it looks like to sustain whatever you're giving back, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. like. Mm fueling yourself, then, you're, then you have nothing to hide. Like, so many people are like, what if they find out I'm a phony, which is just a mind trap that doesn't actually mm-hmm. exist. But to go the extra mile and actually be keeping what's between your ears savvy with what you need to deliver is a huge component, I think, inside of it actually landing and mm-hmm. being successful, mm-hmm. I think. So. Were there any things that you learned that you're like, oh, man, I wish I, you know, knew that earlier on? I'm just- man, I'm like... Yeah, yeah. I feel like one of the biggest things <laughs> was titles. I was so young that they're like you're a director. I'm like, I'm a director. <laughs> but I was also on the air part-time for the radio stations, and I remember two years in asking someone I trusted like, "Hey, do you think it's okay if I start calling myself um an on-air personality?" Because I am doing the shift during the week, and they're like, are you kidding me? Like, girl, no one. There's no timeline. No one's going to write you or send you the email <laughs> that you can officially call yourself something. I realized that that held me back for a while. Pardon was not claiming and naming what mm-hmm. I was doing. You know, so many people are like, I'm trying to become a an actor. No, you're just an actor like that credential is mm-hmm. not coming for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of respects, the people who are up to things, you know, I'm a I'm a struggling artist, whatever it is, I'm just an artist and I'm thriving in my life Type thing, you don't have to sell a piece to call yourself what yeah. you are. And it definitely changes your
0: mentality because oh, I, I've been that person. And it's yes. like, until if you don't step into it, you're, you're not going to see the yes. goals that, that, that you want to achieve. Like, love. no, I could talk to you all day long. Love you. There's so much I want to pick I'm your like... brain for. I know we're just about out of time. Yay. Before we go, I want to do a speed round Ooh, yeah. real quick and Let's just ask it. you a couple questions. It's a little quiz about what kind of tom girl you are. So, Ooh. so your tom choose... girl? The brain. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to pick her brain on how she can make me grow this brand. Yeah, baby. <laughs> anyway, Come to right. my, oh my god,
1: you're coming to Bajina a Joe. So, <laughs> so for everyone watching, Tom Girl will be there. Let's I'll figure this out. So you guys JJ know what in she the says. house? Yeah, okay, cool.
0: Okay, cold beer or spicy margarita? Mm, scotch. That's even better. <laughs> Ocean or the mountains? Ocean. Favorite sports?
1: Dance. Beer pong? Dancing? <laughs> I'm not very athletic. Those are both, those <laughs> both count. They count. Your best beauty hack? Um pay someone else to do it (laughs) go to (laughs) outfits um leggings
0: unless i'm on a carpet then a gown (laughs) um your favorite motto or words of advice uh you can never be overdressed or overeducated and are you a passionista, fashionista, tom girl, or all of the above? Oh, I'm so all of the above. <laughs> yeah, good Is that job, the right answer? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, baby. This was such a blast. <laughs> oh, Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate you taking the time. Thank and you. good luck with everything. Tell everybody one more time where they yeah. can get tickets to Passion to Paycheck Absolutely. and how they can follow you.
1: Totally. So, passiontoPaycheck.com. Follow along at Passion to Paycheck. And then my personal platforms are all at underscore our all right, yeah. guys, that's it for tonight. Thank you
0: so much for joining us. We'll see you again here we'll see you here again next week. Bye-bye. Perfect.
1: Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to Afterbuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to afterbuzztv.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs>